1: Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the show that helps you lead where you are. I'm Andy Peck. You might think that every leader has a sense of purpose. After all, being purposeful is a key characteristic of leaders. Well, I'm joined this week by Andrew Cave, the co-author of The Power of Purpose, which looks at a six-step framework to help you identify, clarify and shape your purpose. He is co-author with John O'Brien at Destria Partners, the international purpose agency based in London. Andrew is a renowned business journalist and author of 25 years experience. He's written for the Daily Telegraph since 1996 and for Forbes and a host of other publications. He's also co-author of The Secrets of CEOs, based on interviews with 200 uh, global chief executives. So great to have this opportunity to chat with you, Andrew. I'm glad to um, be here. It sounds like the book connects to the business uh, world of, of John O'Neill at Destria Partners in terms of what he's doing.
0: Um, yes, it does. John has spent... Um, 20-odd years in this field, 10 of which he was working for the the Prince of Wales, running um, and setting up business in the community and a, a charity called Mosaic, and then latterly running Destria, which is a consultancy in the field of purpose, really helping organisations in the commercial world and not-for-profit um, sector to frame... And um, spread their purpose, which is harder than it seems.
1: Yeah, indeed. we'll, we'll come on a little bit to that. But some of my questions a bit later on. Uh, but you, so, John invited you in to help with the book. Is that how it works? You your journalists. Yes, your we were.
0: With? We were put in touch um, by somebody who knew as both. Somebody I'd worked with on my previous books, and who was advising him. He um, he wanted to put in into words some of the things he's been working on and, and um, I've done, this is my third book, I've done a number of books and um, I like working with words and I, for me it made a lot of sense because my previous book was really about um, how CEOs operate, how leaders operate, and how they do the job, all the things you don't know um, on the surface, how are they supported, what's their life like, do they have a coach, do they have a mentor, What's important to them? How do they balance everything? Uh, This is a book about why, why they lead. And to me, it seemed a a perfect sequel.
1: Yeah, no, quite so. Well, I hope hope we get a chance to to talk about the secrets of CEOs maybe in this conversation. But um, I hinted in the introduction: it's easy for leaders and organisations to lose their sense of purpose. So uh, the work uh, that that John's involved in um, and that the book hints at presumably involves helping organisations that are facing problems and so they realise that they need to gain clarity because it's not functioning as well as it used to be. Is that, would that be fair enough?
0: Well I think it, that certainly is the case in a lot of situations but I think it's a bit wider than that and it, it's, it's, I don't know how long the purpose movement has, it's becoming called uh, has been going. It certainly predates the, the financial crisis. But the crisis has given it its, its latest impetus, I feel. I mean, I've worked in financial journalism for 25 years, and 20 years ago, if you were in any sort of um, radio-style argument of conversation with a CEO or a public relations person or an analyst working for a company as a journalist, there is a stop-dead answer they could give you which the conversation wouldn't go any further, and that was... This is being done in the name of shareholder value. That was it. That justified everything. If it brought value to the shareholders, that was it. No more argument. Well, that doesn't work anymore. A lot of the things they did in the 90s and early um, 2000s in the name of shareholder value destroyed it rather than built it. So it's not credible any longer. You, I mean, you still have to build shareholder value. You still have to make a profit and, and 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 provide that, but it doesn't motivate people anymore because and they don't believe it. So they need something else. And also, they, um partly because of that, and and partly because of other reasons, the millennials, they they want meaning. They want they don't want a job that's just about money either for them or for someone else. They they want to know that they're fitting in in a good way to for society for communities for the environment and um, that's important to them yes. so it becomes important to companies and organisations as well
1: mm. so there's a greater sense of altruism from the millennial generation it would seem
0: it is and so if you want to attract them and get the best talent then you've got to engage them in the purpose mm. and they've got to really love to come into work they've got to love doing what they do not because of the paycheck but because of they're proud of where they work
1: yeah yeah so, I mean, the book looks at the six steps. Um, I don't want to, obviously, we hope that people will buy the book, so don't give away too much, but I, are you able to share what the six steps are?
0: Well, it starts with um, sort of identifying your purpose, which is, um, isn't as easy as it sounds. Um, as you say, that... Um, a lot of organizations have got a bit stale and and um a bit nine to five in their culture in their mindset almost forget what they're for or or almost don't know what they're for anymore if they're not there just for shareholder value then what are they there for so um i think also there's a step before that which is about understanding why you have to have a purpose and why and why all the reasons we've just mentioned about why it's it's becoming increasingly necessary so Purpose-led companies, uh, there's a whole lot of um, st- statistics which were reeled off by Lord Price, the former managing director of Waitrose at our launch, and I can't remember all of them, but uh, there's a lot of statistics showing that purpose companies with a clarity of purpose do a whole lot of things better, a lot better, than, than companies that, that don't. And I guess that's common sense. It, it's, it's about being clear about what you're doing. So it's understanding why you need purpose. It's 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 finding it and defining it, uh, either broadly or narrowly. Um, it's defining the world it operates in and the context it's going to play in. And it's about making it credible and real. Um, it can't just be platitudes or, or mission value, mission statements, value statements on the wall that won't wash. There's gonna be more behind it. And then there's a, it, it, there's a cultural aspect that it, it, it has to reflect or create a culture within the organization. I and mean, some of the organizations we talked to were, were new, were either startups or were spin-offs, and they put purpose right at the beginning of what they do because it, it was a, a new beginning for them. So let's mm-hmm. start the culture, let's create the culture, what does this company stand for? Mm-hmm. That's going to dictate what sort of people we recruit, it's going to dictate how we act, what we do, what we don't do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's about spreading the purpose which, which is about inspiring. Inspiring um, staff, inspiring customers, inspiring so suppliers, so that everyone knows what it is that you actually stand for. Yeah,
1: yeah. And um, we, we talked a little earlier about you know, millennials want to hear the purpose. How, is it, how important is the kind of story dimension to that? And particularly, you've you talked about 200 CEOs you've, you'd interviewed for your book, Secrets of CEOs. Um, to what degree is their personal story tied up to their business and to the culture they create
0: well i think it always helps if it is um yeah yeah, there's a lot i mean business is a serious thing and there's a lot of um ceos who have progressed in a very serious manner through accountancy or consultancy or some other perfectly reasonable respectable very good um, discipline training but the the stories that grab people are the tend to be the entrepreneurs the individualists, the extroverts, the people who've just um, gone about things a bit differently. And there are some examples of this in the book. We actually found one of the interesting things is when we asked people why they are purpose-led, a lot of them had a eureka moment. Right. Uh, a lot of them had a moment in time when they decided to do things differently. And they found a, well, the founder of the guy that runs... Um, Brompton bicycles, Will Butler yes. Adams. he didn't found Brompton bicycles, but he, he he took the company he joined the company then he did a management buyout and he's now the CEO. He um, tells a very interesting story about how after university he went he, he went on a couple of treks to the Amazon, one of which was leading a lot of, um, of, of trekkers. It was absolutely disastrous. He got he got lost got the team lost he then got spit up from the team did all the things that you're not meant to do and went for a long time days without um, food uh, felt pretty near death and wrote his last letter to his parents oh boy. then he was attacked by a dangerous snake which he managed to kill Cook and eat. Oh, right. <laughs> and at that moment, he says he decided that he had to do things in a different way. <laughs> it's a rather well, unusual story, no, it's but it's—he's uh, a characterful guy. And uh, mm. uh, when you ask him what gave him his—he uh, came in and he changed the way that company yes. um, looks after its employees. That the, the way—I mean—it's a fabulous invention, the Brompton bicycle. Yes, but I think it's fair to say that before he arrives at the company um, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. It, they've created a culture around it now and 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 they they've got a strong environmental stance and societal stance and 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 you can tell when you walk into the place I went into their new factory to interview him there's a there's a feeling that pervades that place it's mm-hmm. a it's a friendly place it's a, everybody likes being there they, they they enjoy what they do and mm-hmm. they and they want to make a difference. In the way that people live and operate in cities that's their that's their sure. that's, that's their mission statement
1: and, and the word brompton in within that it's a bit of a trivia question but <laughs> is it because of brompton within london the area or you don't know yes that? i think it started there
0: i think it started there and it's not there anymore but i think i think that's where it started um there's another very good example with um james julia Cleverdon, who um, founded business in the community and she's a tireless worker uh, for this cause. She started her career at British Leyland in the industrial days of the 1960s, with all the labor disputes. She worked at the Pressings Plant in Swindon where there were 35,000 people. And she came in as a young um, graduate who was leading a team, and she became interested in the fact that none of them had ever seen the car that they were making. They were just banging out these pressed parts The morale was pretty low. They didn't seem to know what they were doing or what, what, what was the end result. So she had this fabulous idea to take them to the Birmingham Motor Show, hire a coach, and take them all up there to, to show them what the company actually did, what happened to mm-hmm. their panels. And the management clamped down on it and actually called her in and said to her, this is the most puerile idea we've ever heard. And she was so angry that she set up business in the community. Oh, right. yeah. As, a, as a, you know, she said, you, know, you can't operate like this. You can't oh, yeah. just tell people that they're wage slaves and they, mm-hmm. they, they're here to do what you say and then they go home and then they come back in the next day and they want to know what they're producing. They want to know what it's all about. Mm-hmm. So there were, there were many more. Those are two of the, two of the good ones, but there are, uh, that's, that's fascinating to me sure, as a journalist sure. to meet people who've had experiences like that and yeah. it's changed the way they work.
1: We're listening to The Leadership File, me Andy Peck, I'm joined this week by Andrew Cave. Uh, Andrew's the uh, co-author of the book The Power of Purpose, and we'll be back just after this. Welcome back to The Leadership File with me Andy Peck, I'm joined this week by uh, uh, Andrew Cave, the uh, co-author of The Power of Purpose. Uh, he's co-author with uh, actually John O'Brien, I got the name wrong at the very start, so I apologise uh, to John for that at Destria Partners, uh, the international purpose agency based in London. Um, Andrew's a renowned uh, business journalist. We're talking a little bit about uh, the, the background to the book and the um, the way in which uh, the, the book uh, focuses upon the, the importance of purpose in whatever you're doing, whether you're leading a church, a charity, a business. Uh, purpose has got to be kind of like a, uh, the stick of rock, as uh, well, the words in the stick of rock, right the way through it. Um, so, um, Andrew, within the charity sector you have a lot of folk who have a clear sense of purpose. But sometimes, um, you know, this can be sustainable, but things move, circumstances change, the energy goes. Um, is that the sort of issue this book is going to help direct?
0: Well, we do have, um, Destria has a strong work amongst the um, charitable sector and that was one of my questions when I started working with them: Was um, don't these guys—they all know what they're about, don't they? I mean, they, why you run a charity? But it's—it's—it's mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's like everything else: things change, things progress, things um, get on top of people. So um, we have had a lot of interest. A lot of the people at our launch were, were from the third sector, and and they they. Um, a lot of them are saying to us, well, we've been waiting for a book like this. We, we that kind of codifies oh, oh. what we do. Um, we've written it a little bit as a training manual. So there are these six steps. They can form the basis of, of training or refreshes or, or um, even project work. And um, a charity might know what it's about. Generally, we'll hope, we'll hope that it does. But it, there's new projects, there's new programs, there's, there's new funding, there's mm. program funding. Um, so we can. We're hoping it would. It will. It will be useful in that in that regard.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, presumably those who are seeking to give funding want to make sure that their funding is going to be well used. And having, if you if you as a charity leader, for example, are clear what you're hoping for and what you're not doing, then would be funders are much going to be more more capable of giving it than if it's a bit of a diffuse idea.
0: It's, I think it's maybe one of those areas where business can learn from um charities and charities can learn from business. Mm-hmm. Um, business tend to be very good at knowing what makes money and following that uh, profit motive. Um, but they may be a bit woolly around the edges in terms of what it is they do and why they do it. Mm-hmm. Um, charities are supposed to know that, but they, they, they might, um, you know, have operational issues around that or funding issues around that. Uh, they 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 might um, take a leaf out of business's book in some regards in in terms of the discipline that business has and the and the way it it um, is quite good at executing um, intentions.
1: Yeah, you yeah. you said this is a follow-on book from this other book, The Secret of CEOs. I'm fascinated. Um, you know, you've had you had in interviews with many CEOs, um, finding out what the secrets were in terms of the work-life balance, etc presumably you come as a journalist to this um know uh, maybe with some preconceptions I'm just wondering uh, by the time you wrote the book whether there were different ideas that we you know you were grasped uh, having having met people whether some preconceptions were blown out blown out of the water
0: well it's always uh, we always try not to have any um they always taught me at journalism training school to assume nothing <laughs> and um there was a s that somebody actually even separated the word out and between the S and the U and it said if you assume you make an ass out of you and an ass out of me and oh, I always indeed, yes. always remembered that. Yes. Um but the the interesting things for me are the sheer diversity of life and how facts are very often much stranger than fiction. And there were some very surprising um, stories, just like there are in this book, um, we found a CEO of a FTSE 100 insurance company, a very famous company, who admitted that he was an extrovert and he didn't, he, the only way he could um, do the job, he, he was an introvert, sorry, and the job of the CEO is an extrovert and he decided the only way he could do it was to bring an actress into headquarters um, uh, once a month to teach him how to act out the role gracious right he could do the job but he he could he wasn't happy with uh, the way he promoted the company oh, right. or the way he was the public face of the company and he he decided the only way he could do that was to act it well so he actually brought someone in to help him do <laughs> that Gracious. Right. Uh, we didn't name him we protected his blushes but uh, he we were grateful for his honesty in mm, in mm. actually explaining that to us there was um another ceo who said he 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 had um a singing coach helped him for the same reason um another quite introverted ceo very famous in his own in his own world and some of the stories on this um latest book have um have surprised us as well
1: well apparently there was one occasion where 23 out of 24 and ordinands in the theological college were Uh, given a Myers-Briggs temperament preference indicator 23 out of the 24 had identical Myers-Briggs which was ISFJ in an Anglican world Mm. you know structured and what have you so the introversion thing that's 23 out of 24 were introverts and obviously within a church culture often you know someone needs to be able to to study and to be at the home on their own but introversion does not always make for glamorous church you know <laughs> so maybe they they need to, to, to bring in act, acting, acting trainers and singing coaches in, into the church world as well I don't know so uh, fascinating um uh, I mean you know who were who the particularly impressive CEOs that you met that, that you could you know we, we might be able to learn from in terms of uh, leaders listening and thinking okay so you know wh- what could I learn from some of the top people from Andrew?
0: Well, there are a number of CEOs who have made a strong stance about purpose. The mm-hmm. most well-known one, well, Richard Branson is probably the most well-known one, but he's well-known for a, a lot of things. Mm. He, has, he, he has put purpose at the top of his agenda. Mm. Um, but the one I want to talk about is Paul Polman of Unilever, who came in with a, a very different approach. Unilever was under a lot of pressure, um, poorly performing share price, um, some questions about what it's for, you know, it spans a lot of different products. It makes household products, it makes food. Um, what is it all about? Mm. Um, they also, um, they've got environmental, they had environmental issues, they had, they had, they had um, social issues in their, in their f- um, supply chains. He came in and put um, long-term sustainability at the heart of what Unilever does. And he told the city on day one, "We're not going to tell you our results every quarter anymore. We're only going to tell you every um, half year, which is all they're uh, meant to do." Uh-huh. But particularly America, companies with American exposure have increasingly started disclosing on a quarterly basis. Okay. He said, "We can't move if we have to tell you every quarter what we're doing. We get no freedom. We we need to take a longer view, and uh, we can't we can't." try to perform every quarter. You have to judge this on a long-term view. Okay. He set long-term goals and they have found as they are introducing the purpose agenda to their businesses, the ones where they've done that have, are actually having a much higher um, profit profit level and revenue growth than the ones where they haven't. There is a clear link to, 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 to the, um, how the business performs. It was tested very recently when there was a takeover bid for you know, Unilever came in from the um, very aggressive American company Kraft, Kraft Heinz. Um, oh yes, I remember hearing about it. Yes, it was quite a big test because yes. um, opportunity the shareholders to cash in, and they, they, there was the shares did go up a lot on the day of the announcement. Um, but they resisted it. The bid went away, and they've they won they won round one. I mean. The, in the end, they will have to do both. You know, they, they, mm-hmm. If they don't deliver profits and they only deliver purpose, well, the shareholders won't wash it, and you know, mm-hmm. won't wash with them eventually, but they are being given time, and I think he's he's brave in in, in taking it on and taking on mm-hmm. the short-term mindset. The city's a very short-term place. It's a, it's, um, it's all about today's share price, tomorrow's share price, um, the next six months profit. He's talking in terms of five years. Yeah, That's revolutionary
1: sure
0: absolutely the other uh, another very interesting um uh, disruptor with a purpose agenda is Inga beale who has come in to be the first female um ceo in the 325 year history of lawyers of london
1: all oh, right yes
0: uh lawyers of london is uh, a traditional place it's um they don't have to wear the frock coats anymore but they do they are they have a very formal dress code they there's not many, not many women. There's not many uh, people of colour, and it's 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 pale male and stale really. I mean, I think that she, she will she will admit that it was when she arrived. Certainly, she's come in with a d- diversity agenda. She is um, she's out as a as a as a, um, a practicing um, bisexual. She's blown into Lloyds with her diversity agenda. She's held a diversity festival. And um, I can't overstress the most unlikely place to have a diversity festival no is Lloyds sir. of London. Yeah, indeed. Uh, as two examples of the conservatism of the organization which are in the book, um, the very hot day last summer when it was 40 degrees she relaxed the dress code at 8 in the morning for the guys and sent them a message saying um, okay you can take your tie off today and take your jacket off maybe uh, we'll let you off um, but you know put <coughs> back on a Monday and by 10 o'clock in the morning she had to rescind the notice there was up for gracious right. on the trading floor from the Conservatives who said well you yeah, know this is our tradition and the future of lawyers is doomed if this well, is what happens. S- th- there was a second case when when uh, one of the syndicates wanted to move its desks around. <laughs> Harmless, <laughs> you might think. She recognised that was controversial. She did it over Easter. They came in on the yeah. rest of the market came in on the Tuesday morning to find the desks um, re- arranged. by midday. They've been arranged back. Gracious. This is a place where you can't move the furniture. You can't change the dress code. And she's brought in a diversity agenda. I, I mean, it's it's quite astonishing.
1: Well. <laughs> well, sadly, Andrew, and the times defeated us. I'd be lovely to chat to, to you about more of the stories about the CEOs. But just a, a reminder of the the, the the book and its uh, publisher. It's called The Power of Purpose. It's John O'Brien and Andrew Cave, and it's published by Pearson uh, and Pearson Books. www.pearson-books.com. I'm sure you can access a copy also on Amazon and other places. So thank you so much for what you shared. Thank you. And trust the book does really well. Do. Thank you. Um, uh, log on to Premier's own website and uh, get archived recordings of Leadship find, including this one in due course. Uh, thank you for your company. Look forward to your company again next Sunday.